It's March 9th, 2016, and welcome to another edition of Bite Mars Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's technology. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. First up today, we'll hear about three upcoming events. Biling Chua is here to tell us about the next Going for Growth leadership panel. Carl Kim then joins us to tell us about the next Primo conference. And last but certainly not least, Leanne, Mal- Leanne Miyasato tells us about the OTED event called Commercialization Speed Dating. And after the break, we devote the rest of the hour to several awardees from the recent Hawaii Venture Capital Association Entrepreneur Awards. Dan Nash from Comprendio is here, as well as Vincent Kimura from Smart Yields and Garrett Marrero from Maui Brewing. We're going to hear about their startups, their experiences, as well as get their take on the local innovation ecosystem. Of course, as always, we welcome your comments or questions as part of that conversation. You can contact us by calling in or sending us a tweet after the break. Well, first up, we want to welcome Bileng Chua from I, uh, iBeam, and she's here to tell us about this Going for Growth leadership panel called Going for the Market. Welcome to the show, Bileng. Thank you so much for having me here. Welcome back. Yeah. Thank you. So this is something that you've been working on and putting this uh, panel together. Tell us a little bit about what you have in mind. All right. Well, we know that there's a fever of startup activity right now in mm-hmm. Hawaii, but eventually all startups have to grow up. And um, and this is where we come in, High Beam. We're a mentoring organization, and we take early stage companies and we help them, mentor them to accelerate their growth and become highly investable, which is that ultimately that's what they're interested in is money. So um, so this Going for Growth is a series, uh, three, three altogether, and we start with going for the market because rather than going for the money first, we encourage startups and entrepreneurs to actually define and validate their market mm-hmm. and then followed by going for the team or management and then going for the money, which we deliberately put last. Because if they have the market right, they have a great team to execute, the money will come. So March 10th is going for the market. We have three outstanding business leaders, and they have a lot of experience in building, identifying and building the markets, and really taking on the challenges of the market head on, especially if they are so confident that there is a market for what they can offer. They will take on all challenges. So when you say building the market, you're actually looking for revenues coming in as a result of sales to that market. Yeah, because if you have a if you have a market, you've identified the market correctly, you will have people who are willing to buy and pay for your product or your service. So definitely revenue is the ultimate mm-hmm. goal. But you also find that a lot of investors nowadays, they look at a company and they want to see revenue before they commit, they invest in the, com- in the startup. So looking at the market is very important for all startups. Mm-hmm. So for this first event going for markets, you said you had three great speakers, and these are local speakers, correct? Exactly. Well, yes, that's right. We have uh, Dr. Francis Oda. He is the uh, chairman of Group 70 International. And he is, it's one of the largest architectural firm in Hawaii. And from a, he'll tell his story. He's a Kalihi boy, grew up in a rough neighborhood. And right now he is uh, building a city in Indonesia mm-hmm. and building a resort, designing a resort and having raised $3 billion for this resort in French 
Polynesia. Mm-hmm. And we have um, Ms. Duane Lancound. She is the CEO and founder of iHealth Home. And um, she is actually a technology is she's kind of grown it out of Hawaii and she's gone into the West Coast because her technology helps um, elders stay home. You know, uh, we had her yeah. on the show this Very is like early on. many years ago, yeah. probably about a good five years ago. Yeah, this is a great out- update for you. Uh-huh. And then we have Brian Hughes. He's with Uber Hawaii and mm. San Diego. And we know Uber, right? He, they started in Southern California and went, they went all over the world. And they face many challenges in every country that they sure. go into. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to take away from any of the uh, panelists and what they might uh, be talking about, but what do you foresee them trying to impart on their audience? Well, they're going to share with them, uh, with the audience, their experiences about how they they found and identified and built that market mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also what are their go-to-market strategies. And they've done it for a number of years and um, they've gone through many trials and they are now on a upward tra- trajectory, and so there will be many things that they can share with the audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So this first one going to for market, um, where again, what day, and how can someone find more information? All right. March tenth, it's two thirty to four thirty. It's at the Sullivan Conference Center at the UH mm. uh, Cancer Center in Kaka'ako. And um, the site that they should go in if they want to sign up would be going for growth market one word dot eventbrite dot com. Yes, we All will right. put that up on our show notes, and that is tomorrow already. Yes, correct. <laughs> Time flies. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. Well, thanks, Bling, for joining us. Thank you. Thanks very much. And of course, next up is Carl Kim, and he's from the National Disaster Preparedness Training Center, and he's here to tell us about the upcoming Primo Conference. Uh, welcome to the show, Carl. Thanks. Now, Primo. Tell me what PRIMO stands for. The Pacific Risk Management Ohana. And and this has been going on for uh, at least, uh, what, half a dozen years well, already? More than that. More it's, than that? It's more than 10 years. I think we're in our 13th or 14th mm-hmm. year. And is this, a, this is like a NOAA-sponsored no, event? No, it, it's, it's NOAA, it's FEMA, it's uh, USGS, it's uh, the University of Hawaii, mm-hmm. Pacific Disaster Center. It's all of the different agencies and organizations that are involved with disaster risk reduction in the region. Mm -hmm. Now, we've talked about the NDPDC before, uh, and uh, I think Bert and I both have participated in some programs developing the social media for disaster management um, uh, course, Um, and it's one of those agencies that are helping to put on the Primo Conference. But for those who aren't familiar with the uh, NDPDC, can you share quickly what that's all about? Sure. That's the National Disaster Preparedness Training Center. We're a FEMA-funded center housed at the University of Hawaii. We're a national center, uh, and uh, to date, we've trained more than 21,000 first responders and emergency managers across the U.S., across 260 uh, different cities. We focus on natural hazards, on coastal communities, and then islands and uh, territories. Mm -hmm. We look at developing courses that uh, reduce risk, uh, that... Uh, that that help uh, communities to better manage and prepare for uh, disasters. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I uh, teach one of the uh, social media classes, but what I'm interested in is some of the new classes that you are coming up with. I don't know if you, uh, you want to maybe pre-announce any of those things that are 
in in the planning because there's a some interesting yeah, stuff. Yeah, we've got some really interesting new stuff that's coming out. We've been authorized to do the to be the lead uh, developer for courses using drones mm-hmm. or UAVs yeah. uh, for uh, search and rescue for. Um, uh, having situational awareness uh, for damage assessment, assessment mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, th- things like that. We've also have a new course that we've been working on on disaster recovery uh, as well too. We have other specialized courses on extreme weather, uh, and uh, we have a, a new hurricane class that we've done. You know, this past season, I think we had 15 named storms in the Central Pacific, so it, it's a very uh, big topic. You know, what was interesting this past season was that. You know, in the previous two hurricane seasons, we were actually the Hawaii VOS, which is the virtual operations support team. You know, we monitored social media. We got activated for Flossie and Isao. I thought for sure we would get activated this past season. But even though 15 rolled by, luckily, they did not hit make landfall. That's right. And That's one right. thing to note for the NDBDC is that uh, the courses sound like they're very, they're certainly for first responders and agencies like that. But I've I've seen um, the NDBDC do courses for the community, the That's business right. community as well. That's right. And, and we have uh, courses for the community, and we have a, a new effort uh, that we've been working with uh, Lion Associates mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to push out a lot of our training courses in Hawaii uh, and, and in the. And these are these well are too. open to. Anybody who's interested in disaster preparedness and, and response. Yes, yes. So if you go to our website, ndptc.hawaii.edu, you mm-hmm. can find out about our training courses that we do as part of the NDPTC. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk back about the uh, conference, the mm-hmm. Primo conference with the Risk Management Conference. I think that's happening next week. Um, is there a theme for this year? Yeah, I think it's called the Voyage to Resilience. Uh, you know, every year we get together, uh, we have uh, several hundred. Uh, scientists and researchers and policymakers and emergency managers who all gather here uh, in Hawaii uh, for this meeting. And what we do is we do three things. We share and exchange information. We actually have these working groups called uh, HUIs, and they focus on specific areas like communications or information access and technology or, or risk assessment or health security. Or We have another one that's called indigenous knowledge and mm. the environment. Uh, and then we have a, another HUI or committee that focuses on training uh, and, and education. So, uh, so in addition to you know, having a conference, sharing information, bringing in great world-class speakers, we have these working group. Uh, meetings that uh, that work on how we can improve resilience in this area. And then the other thing that we do is we have training courses, uh, like we're doing our community leaders class. We're doing, I think, our coastal resilience class. Uh, there are other mm-hmm. specialized mm-hmm. training classes that, that go on as part of the Primo Conference, which again is March 14th through 17th at the uh, convention center. Now, the attendees to this conference, they can go and receive whatever information you're imparting to them. But do the HUIs stay together after the conference? Yes. Do they, do, are they working groups that actually – Yes, they're, 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 they're working groups and they exchange information. I mean, this is the annual big year when everybody gets together mm-hmm. and they travel to Hawaii. But, but, but there's work that's done – throughout the year to to work on building resilience in, in these important areas. You mm-hmm. mentioned world-class speakers. Uh, any names that uh, you're able to share at this point? Sure. Um, His Excellency Nele uh, uh, Sopoanga, uh, the um, prime minister of... Um, uh, of Tuvalu, is uh, is coming. Um, the, uh, the president of Kiribati, uh, President Anote Tong, is coming. 
uh, locally, we have uh, Hank Rogers from mm-hmm. uh, Blue Planet uh, Blue Software. Yeah. Blue, 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 it's Blue Planet uh, is, is coming. Uh, the mayor, uh, Mayor Kirk Caldwell, is, mm-hmm. is speaking at this. Uh, now, event now as well one too, of the so. things that is uh, interesting <clears throat> that and uh, maybe a little different is that there's a free day for the public. Right, specifically. Right, right, right. This is something we're doing for the first time. Uh-huh. We're opening up Primo uh, to the public on Wednesday. Uh, at the convention center, this is Wednesday, March sixteenth, from three thirty to seven p.m. at the convention center. And uh, what we'll have is uh, some uh, booths and displays and demonstrations and some learning activities. And the entire public is welcome to come. There's free parking at the convention center if you bring a canned good, a durable canned good. Oh, that's good to know. You know that's uh, worth it. Yeah. And so we're inviting anyone who's interested in uh, disaster risk reduction. We have some panels and discussion that are going. One thing is on insurance, how insurance works, hurricane insurance. Mm-hmm. We also have a, a, another speaker that's going to talk about Hawaii's climate adaptation uh, initiative. And then we have some interactive uh, sessions on how to make Cities, uh, communities, homes, businesses more resilient to different types of uh, disasters and, and hazards. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great. So uh, we'll put that up on the show notes, and that's coming up next week at the convention center, the 14th, 15th, and 16th. Right. Uh, uh, the free day, the, is the community is Wednesday, March 16th, 3.30 to 7 p.m. Uh, at the convention center. And is there a website for the conference? Yes, there is. It's primohui, H-U-I, dot org. Very good. Thanks, Carl, for joining us. And, of course, now we want to welcome Leanne Miyasato from OTED, and she's here to tell us about an event called Commercializing Speed Dating. Now, of course, you might think, you know, how do you commercialize speed dating? But Leanne will tell us about it. Leanne. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brother Ryan. It's Commercialization Speed Dating, and the idea is to bring together business leaders and faculty members and some students who are interested in commercializing the technologies that they've invented just to have a nice conversations, short conversations. Uh, We'll line them up on either side of a table. They'll talk for maybe five or six minutes, and then we'll switch to the next person. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's a way of talking to a whole bunch of people in a very short period of time, uh, getting to know each other, seeing if they can make some connections that might be valuable. Now, I mentioned OTED, which is the Office of Technology Transfer and Economic Development. And you have been, this department has been uh, instrumental in trying to introduce the business community to some of the intellectual property and uh, projects that are coming out of UH. So is this just another kind of opportunity to find out like what's going on over at UH? Yes, we um, <clears throat> we launched a UH chapter of the National Academy of Inventors last fall. And uh, that brought in a lot of business people. It, it might surprise you to know that there are uh, at least 80 faculty members at UH who hold patents, issued patents from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. So we honored them and recognized them at this event that we had last fall. And this commercialization speed dating event uh, lunch, uh, which would take place next Tuesday, March 15th at at the UH campus, is actually a follow-up to that uh, National Mm -hmm. Academy of Mm -hmm. Inventors event because we do see a need to improve the connections between UH and the business community. So how wide open is uh, participation in this program to be able to cycle through and meet these uh, wide array of uh, people with information and talent? I mean, are you still recruiting for participants or uh, is it 
pretty much is and is there an opportunity perhaps to just be a spectator if you're not ready to date <laughs> <laughs> well it is an invitation of uh, event so far um the the building we're holding it in is the iLab. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see the iLab, but it's a an interesting new uh, collaboration co working space for mm-hmm. students at uh, UH. It's got three D printers and big screens, and it's a movable furniture, and it's a, just a really neat space. But it is only one room, so um, we we do have a bunch of uh, business leaders who have agreed to attend and uh, faculty members. So we're uh, shooting for about 50 to 60 people total. But if people are really interested in coming, they can uh, email OTED, O-T-T-E-D, at hawaii.edu, and uh, we'll be probably be able to accommodate them. So who might be some of the, let's say, uh, UH researchers or people with projects uh, actually presenting? Well, they're not going to be presenting, um, uh, and I don't have the list uh, with me right now, but the business people who are, are going to be coming, um, some of them will be familiar to you because mm-hmm. one of them is sitting in the room. <laughs> B. Lang Chua from High Beam is one of our business leaders who will be there, and then we'll have people like uh, Omar Sultan mm-hmm. from Accelerate UH, Melly James from Sultan Ventures, uh, Heidi Kunli, who's mm-hmm. a former UH professor. Kunli who, Agrosys- Agrosys- from, Exactly. Yeah. Uh, she's a commercialization expert because she's been running her uh, her uh, company for several years now. She spun out some uh, UH technologies. Uh, someone from Oceanet will be there. Uh, some other industry representatives. I want to guess that might be Ian. Ian Kitajima? So, no, uh, he's not able to come, oh. but he's sending a substitute. He's such a oh. handsome guy. I'm sure yeah, people would really want to <laughs> be matched with him. So what is the, the outcome that you expect for the participants of commercialization speed dating? we just like them to have a... a uh, a fun way of meeting people that they might not normally have come across in their everyday so lives. it's just a, it's more of a meeting as opposed to uh let's say hoping that maybe their uh, business opportunity might arise or maybe some funding opportunity or you know something that more could happen to- that could happen but the, the idea is just to have a fun networking event mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. sounds good so where when is this taking place again it will be tuesday march 15th at noon at the iLab building 37 on the UH Manoa campus okay. and then people can email oted at hawaii.edu if they're interested very good thanks Leanne for joining us thank you very much for having me and of course we'll take a short break and when we return we'll be joined by Dan Nash Vince Kimura and Garrett Marrero to talk about the drive to be an entrepreneur. What does it take to succeed in this tough marketplace? And what is the forecast for the future of our innovation economy? Of course, we'd love your thoughts or questions. You can give us a call at 941-3689 or reach us toll-free from the neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. And of course, you can tweet us your questions at ByteMarks or at Hawaii. This is ByteMarks Cafe. On the next Radio Lab. Going to Galapagos is like going to Mecca. Is the place that taught us about evolution. Green mangroves, black flower flows, pink flamingos. Wow. Now a harbinger for the end of nature. We're radically remaking the world. That forest was 100% gone. And how far are we willing to go to save it? We're God. We might as well get good at it. Galapagos on the next Radio Lab. Saturday morning at 10, following the Splendid Table. The legendary record producer George Martin died yesterday at the age of 90. Known as the fifth Beatle, due to his extensive involvement in each of the Beatles' original albums, he was an innovator in arrangement and production. Join us tomorrow at 8 p.m. as producer Paul Inglis finds his many documentaries on Beatles' albums for a few stories that show off Martin's contributions to those records. That's tomorrow night at 8. 
Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting and Sacred Hearts Academy. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And joining us today are Dan Nash, Vince Kimura, and Garrett Marrero. Dan is the COO and co-founder of the Knowledge Visualization and Analytics web application called Comprendio. Vince, meanwhile, is the lead founder and CEO of the ag tech company Smart Yields. That is a company where I also serve as a co-founder. And joining us by phone is Garrett Marrero, who founded Maui Brewing Company based in Kihei. And of course, do uh, what do these three have in common, and will they, will that drive lead them to success? Will We'd love to hear your comments and questions, and that number to call is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. We want to welcome you all to Bite Marks Cafe. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I appreciate it. This is Garrett. Yeah. Hi, Garrett. <laughs> no, on, we want to we wanna first uh, uh, congratulate all of you because one of the things that you all have in common is the fact that you all won the Hawaii Venture Capital Association Entrepreneur of the Year Award for various categories. And I'll, I'll do the quick, you know, Comprendio was the Tech Entrepreneur of the Year. Uh, Smart Yields was the uh, Clean Tech Egg Entrepreneur of the Year. And Maui Brewing was the Entrepreneur of the Year. So the congra- yeah, the year. congratulations to all of you. Now, let's go around the room, and I want to give uh, each one of you a chance to just tell us a little bit about what your company does. So, Dan, what is what is Comprendio? Uh, that's, that's always the question of the day with us. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a little complex, but our main focus is making learning more efficient. Mm-hmm. And the three key pieces that allow us to accomplish that with our web-based platform is we hold learners accountable for their thinking, but we have an automated tool that uses text analysis to give them feedback on their thinking while they're going through the learning process. And we use a visual or cognitive map structure to help structure knowledge and accelerate the rate at which they can go through the learning process as opposed to flipping through a textbook or doing a Google search or Wikipedia pages, whatever. So, Is this, is this uh, something that the, uh, the class, the teacher, would have their students use mm-hmm. as a platform? Yeah, so currently we have uh, about 3,000 users on the platform. Uh, there's uh, teachers mainly, but then they share it with their students. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a tool to help teachers share resources and knowledge with their students, but to combine that together with feedback for the learning process. So that way, you know, students not learning something and then kind of, you know, held up for how, how well am I understanding this? So okay. they're not constantly having to take quizzes and tests and then finding out, oh, I, I guess I didn't get this. <laughs> and Yeah. Okay, great. And uh, Vince, I want to also congratulate you for getting uh, recognized today over at the uh, Capitol. There was a event called Pitch the Capitol. It was a Shark Tank-like event, and, and you and a couple other companies were actually pitching to the sharks, right? Yep, yep. It was, it was tough. They had some really good questions, but... We had a really good time. It was yeah. with uh, Smart Yields. It was Pono Home and I First Medical Technologies mm-hmm. were the pitching companies. Yeah. And yeah. who were the uh, who were the uh, sharks that were giving you the tough questions? Oh well, <laughs> I've got to give a shout out to Steve Markowitz. Of course, he asked some tough questions, but you know, I think through this whole process, it makes us better pitchers. Yeah, I think Derek uh, Derek uh, Representative Derek Kawakami oh, also yes. asked some pretty tough questions. Of course, Senator Glenn Wakai was there, and he asked some good questions, and so did uh, Donovan uh, Kealoha. So yes, they were. that's good. 
But uh, while these accolades are rolling in, can you share um, what Smart Yields is? <laughs> I'd love to. Smart Yields is a robust analytics platform for ag tech, so agriculture technology. So what we do is we take data from a variety of different sensors, and there are sensors everywhere around us. So we have weather data, climate data, um, water data, uh, even soil data for that matter. And the biggest issue that we have right now is all that data is being sliced and, and, and showed individually. Mm-hmm. There's, there's all these silos. And really what, what we're trying to do is pull it all together, give you a, a real picture of what's going on in your farm, in your growing operation. Uh, the nice thing about this is that we work with hydroponics, aquaponics, open soil farmers, pretty much everyone. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Now, you know, the uh, of course, the, the most important company that I do want to introduce our listeners to is the one that's calling in from Maui. And it's uh, not because you want free samples. <laughs> well, you know, I was hoping that you know, I was hoping to have uh, have Garrett come here to Hawaii, uh, Oahu, and and you know, maybe share a little sample of liquid aloha uh, yeah, of <laughs> Maui Brewing. But but Maui sure. Brewing, uh, Garrett, tell us a little bit about Maui Brewing. You know, the last time I went to the Maui Research and Technology Park, uh, which was probably maybe about six months ago, there was this beautiful new building that was uh, just getting finished, and I was asking the folks over there, what is this new building? And they said, this is the new home for Maui Brewing. So tell yeah, us, how did, yeah, how did that all work out? It's, uh, it's a pretty spectacular building. We're really, really proud of it. And, and uh, again, thank you for having me on the show. Um, I wish I could have brought you all beers. It's uh, <laughs> definitely my thing. <laughs> so, uh, we'll have to do that another time. Uh, you know, but Maui Brewing was born out of a vision of making authentic Hawaiian craft beer. Uh, and uh, I highlight the authentic because, you know, we felt there, we, we felt there were beers that were being marketed as Hawaiian and uh, unrightly so being called Hawaiian without actually being produced in the state of Hawaii. Um, so with that simple idea, we created Maui Brewing 11 years ago, uh, and we've been brewing uh, handcrafted ales and lagers brewed with aloha ever since. Um, we're you know, the largest craft brewery in the state of Hawaii, uh, but we've remained true to that vision of authentic local production, sustainability, um, you know, craft beer is about innovation, uh, complexity, a sense of place, uh, and these are some of our founding principles that we've uh, never never left from, never strayed from. So we're, we're really stoked to uh, to still be brewing here in Hawaii and, and really honored by the award as well. Well, I'm, I'm curious as a science and tech person, I mean, so you, you mentioned the innovation and uh, helping you achieve these goals for sustainability, for representing Hawaii, but t- just broadly speaking, what sorts of technology are we talking about? Is it uh, effectively physical plant and manufacturing and bottling and shipping, or is, is there a lot more technology to what you do? I, well, there's a ton of technology involved. I mean, like like you mentioned, from the the, the canning to uh, logistics to warehouse management, uh, you know, to everything we do has some touch with technology these days. It seems, but you know, there there is quite a science behind brewing. Uh, we have a, a full lab here uh, where we do all of our uh, quality control, quality analysis. Um, excuse me, with you know. All, all kinds of equipment like spectrophotometers. We have uh, alcoholizers, density meters. Uh, you know, in the brew house itself, there are uh, what they call mag meters to measure flow rates. Uh, there's a lot of science behind it because we're we're dealing with yeast, which is a, a live organism in order to uh, ferment the beverage and create that alcohol and the CO2 that to to make the beer as we as we wish. Um, 
you know, we, we, we brew about 60 different styles of beer a year, and each one of those has specific parameters on what make it uh, a brown ale versus an IPA, for example, versus a American stout or even a milk stout, something totally different. Uh, so we, we use our technology and our processes to control and, and make these beers uh, the way they should be made and, uh, you know, do that with the spirit of Aloha all the time. That's so, fantastic. so Garrett, you were you were doing this for the past eleven years. Where were you? Where was your brewery prior to going over to Kihei? Sure. Well, we started out of a small brew pub in Kahana, uh, so northwest Maui, mm-hmm. uh, just south of Kapalua. Uh, so we still have that brew pub now. So it's a Maui Brewing Company brew pub. Uh, a little seven barrel system that we started brewing on there, uh, and that was back in two thousand five. Uh, in 2007, we opened our first production facility and canning operation in uh, Lahaina Town. So we had a small warehouse there, which we recently, uh, actually last year, sold to a startup brewery. Because uh, craft beers, you know, as much as we're competitors, we believe in supporting the industry. And uh, we have a new brewery now, the second brewery on Maui, called Kohola Brewery. And they're making some really nice beers uh, in our old brewery. Uh, and then we moved to Kihei with our production brewery here. Um, God, we opened Christmas Eve to the public 2014, uh, so we've been here for you know a little over a year now brewing. Um, you, you mentioned we were in construction six months ago, but you're, uh, my, you're, my, you're right. my time frame might be a little bit uh, you know <laughs> off. Sure, no, we're, I was going to say we're always in construction. Actually, about that. Uh, about five months ago, we uh, we brought in a crane and brought in six more large uh, fermentation vessels to expand our capacity even further because even with the big building that we built, we, we needed more capacity, we found, after the first year. So mm-hmm. uh, we seem to always be in construction. <laughs> well, so, you know, uh, uh, Garrett, I appreciate you sharing kind of the background of your company, I means the history that's there. I think when a lot of people hear Hawaii Venture Capital Association, Deal of the Year and Startup of the Year and Entrepreneur of the Year, um, there might be sort of the assumption that these are young companies and new companies just fresh out and with brand new ideas. But a lot of times what you're seeing at this point is the result of a lot of work and a lot of background history and growth and evolution. Um, Dan uh, Comprendio, I know you are a alumni of the Blue Startups program, as is Smart Yields and Vincent and I. Um, but where, what was the path that drew you to now being the, uh, the tech entrepreneur of the year? Yeah, so uh, def- definitely a lot longer path than what seems to be advertised in articles in this, you know, romanticized startup entrepreneur life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, as I said, my co-founder and I, we were both high school math teachers at Waipalo High School initially. We developed this process to initially teach our students how to teach themselves five years ago. This was a paper and pencil process. We did some consulting work for a few years. And then about a little over two years ago, um, Enterprise approached us. And at that point, we kind of realized, okay, there's there's something here. You can scale software. You can't scale consulting. And we've been fortunate enough that the ecosystem here has grown to the point where Blue Startups could take two high school math teachers that had a small <laughs> consulting company and help us really start navigating how do you build a software company? So when company? you said Enterprise approached you, uh, who, who are you talking about? Uh, not the car company, right? I mean, what, no, what, no. What <laughs> so, um, I mean, obviously our focus, our passion is education, mm-hmm. although learning happens everywhere. Um, anywhere you can accelerate learning, you can <laughs> dramatically increase or, you know, somebody's enjoyment during the learning process. So corporate training, uh, HR, okay. alignment. And uh, there's a partnered firm we have in the energy industry that does a lot of uh, training with Fortune 500 companies in alignment. And so they saw this process in paper and pencil, gave us a shot, and then it went over really well. So we were like, let's build some software to automate this. So uh, that's kind of where things started. But as I said, 
five years ago is when the idea started. Two years ago is when the software company started, mm-hmm. and we still got a long ways to go. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious as far as the uh, Hawaii Venture Capital Association uh, Entrepreneur Awards. I mean, did you guys? Sub- I mean, somebody nominated you, but then was there a competition that took place, or was it just a matter of evaluating the nominees for each of the categories? I mean, from what I understand, what was shared with us, um, we've been fortunate enough to get mentorship, and we've gone through Accelerate UH as well, which mm-hmm. is another local accelerator, that's right, that's right. is that there is a committee that sits down. I don't know who exactly comprises that committee, but they look at the nominations, they look at the categories, and they discuss, based on their experience in the ecosystem and the company, who seems to be the most... Um, uh, you know, eligible to win this. Yeah, I do <laughs> this understand award. that there's a panel of judges, a mix of people, other entrepreneurs, certainly investors and business people are on that panel. Um, Vincent, uh, I work with you. I've known you for twenty more than twenty years, <laughs> I think. Um, and as a result, you made the foolish mistake of bringing me on board as one of your <laughs> co-founders. But uh, just like everybody else, uh, we're talking to. Um, smart yields, although didn't even exist as a concept, let alone application, until we found, say, Justin Hadani and Isar uh, a few months ago. Um, but it does come from a longer history of your work in the in working with farmers and clean technology. Right. So we started working with farmers uh, many years ago, and, and specifically related to pathogen control, and then it moved on to microbes. And so I've been very fortunate to work with a number of really, really great um, individuals who are in the farming community who are great mentors as well. I think um, hearing their pain points and hearing their stories has been really the the, 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 the crux of what Smart Yields is. Uh, looking for solutions was really kind of the, the goal from a technology standpoint that I was hoping to kind of fill that void. And ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in not reinventing the wheel. However, if that wheel's not there, then, you know, you've got you've to at least do something about that. And so... Um, a wise person uh, several years ago told me that it's all about team, 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 idea, then execution. And that person's Chinoa. But I think the idea here is is really, you know, searching for that team and, and you know, obviously talking to yourself, Ryan, and, and Isar. And we had some, some generous uh, support and guidance from folks like Ian Kirijima at Ocean and whatnot. But that really that, that kind of community really helped kind of spur this. And, and, and clearly, you know, we would not be where we are today without an accelerator-type program that's really kind of helped you know, push us and, and, and pull us as well. Was there anything you think that perhaps uh, helped you stand above the recognition uh, that the other, let's say, nominees in that category might have might have uh, gotten? I, it's it's a tough one. I mean, I think everyone has some really, really great ideas, mm-hmm. really great concepts. Obviously, they, they, they wouldn't be there today without without all that uh, that boots in the ground, that really hard work, blood, sweat, and tears. So I think the, the really interesting thing that I, I'd like to say that from our perspective is that um, ag and, and food is a very hot topic right now. Agriculture is very hot. So the timing of it, you, you've heard all these different issues regarding feeding the world. You know, we've got 9 billion mouths to be feed by 2050. So, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to increase our food production by 100%? You're not going to double the land that you have using for architecture. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, we, we, we talked about that even today. And, and you'd have to basically have two areas of mass, basically twice California's mass, 386 square miles. Purely dedicated. Purely dedicated. Every day. You have to add that every day in order for you to meet that goal of feeding 9 billion mouths to feed. Mm-hmm. So it's tough. Mm-hmm. So, Garrett, um, you know, uh, we've heard from Dan and Vincent about the startup ecosystem and certainly the mentorship and resources that were, that were made available to them through Accelerate UH or Blue Startups. Um, where did you draw or find, if any, support 
of outside yourself to help make uh, your brewing company grow, succeed, you know, kind of embody the innovative ideas that you really wanted to make a reality? Sure. Uh, you know, we we didn't use those specific resources. Mm-hmm. You know, we started, uh, you know, with, with, like I said, a very simple core vision of, of just making great craft beer authentic in Hawaii. And, you know, I, I, it had to be a, a pretty quick study in order to, to ramp up the way we did. You know, in the past 11 years, we've grown from just doing about 320 barrels of beer uh, in a year to doing, uh, last year we did about 33, 34,000 barrels. This year we'll do about 45,000 barrels. Um, we package in, in the morning now what we did in an entire year when we started. So, uh, you know, very different. But, you know, initially we had help from the SBDC, from the Small Business Development Center through the SBA. Uh, you know, the, David Fisher, back when he worked uh, with MEDB here on uh, Maui, was a big, uh, big supporter, big, a lot of help, kind of helping centralize the vision and, and doing a lot of paperwork. Um, we also, uh, I now sit on the board of the SBDC, you know, kind of as my um, payback, if you will, for all the support that they gave us in the beginning. Um, you know, we also have worked with, you know, whether it be DBET on the Enterprise Zone program. Uh, we've also worked with uh, HTDC on the MAP program uh, for manufacturing assistance. Uh, you know, and just trying to use the, the state resources to try and grow the economy and diversify the economy uh, for, away from just purely service industry uh, to something that uh, brings a resurgence of manufacturing to the state. Uh, you know, we, we believe that local manufacturing is possible, and, and we've certainly proven that it's viable and can be profitable. Uh, and I think that is one of the reasons that we were selected is the amount of jobs that we've created over the, just the last 11 years, um, but also the projected jobs that we're to, to create over the next several. So, uh, you know, I think we've we've just taken a simple thing like craft beer and turned it into something that the community and the state can rally around because of what it's brought to the community. And, uh, you know, we're very proud that we have uh, right now about 103 team members. Uh, We started with 20 back in 2005, and uh, we project over 600 employees by the end of 2018. Wow. So, yeah, so thank you. Garrett, uh, you know, I was just looking at the competition that you were up against, and and I, I and it is uh, very notable that you know you've gone from the you know sort of the brew pub to this pretty high tech facility that is really scaling to a lot more production uh, than what you were doing before. Uh, if you look at the competition that you're up against, though, you you, you know Area Metrics was part of that uh, co- uh, uh, nomination group, and and so was Hobnob, and both of those companies recently received a fair amount of. Uh, um, uh, investment money. Yeah, yeah. So I think both mm-hmm. in the, in the, to the tune of a couple of million dollars. So, you know, hats off to you, Garrett, for uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, getting recognized for the, all the all the great stuff that you've been doing. And of course, I'm just getting you know thirsty sure. just thinking right. about it. Well, we've talked I a lot. I appreciate that. Yeah, we we we've uh, we've been committed to the local community from uh, not only from a job creation standpoint, but you know, I think authenticity is important. I, I think I, I didn't catch who it was, but one of the gentlemen uh, who won an award as well. Uh, talked about you know how how popular and how important agriculture and food is right now. You know I think you know fans of craft beer, you know consumers really enjoy 
uh, knowing what they're putting into their body. They want they they want to know the story behind a product, right. uh, whatever it may be, whether it's you know bacon or beer or you know who, who grew the broccoli. You know these are important things because uh, the information is now out there and the the resources are there to communicate that. And and craft beer is something that you drink and consume, and, and you should be supporting it for either a belief system or from a health perspective, knowing knowing what actually went into that product. And you know brewing both our beer and our natural soda line is you know is very pure. We don't use any sort of chemicals, no preservatives, very natural, naked state, if you will. And, I saw uh, and then our sustainability initiatives too. We're we're going to be the first privately owned microgrid in the state of Hawaii. We'll be off grid by the ah. end of 2017. So it's a part of our other initiatives as well. Well, I certainly know, I mean, and even through the last Blue Startups cohort and future cohorts of, of these uh, this ecosystem, there's a lot working on traceability and sustainability. I mean, these are all themes that I think a number of companies and startups are aspiring to. And I like what you said about manufacturing in Hawaii. That's something that we're talking more and more about even here on this show, and certainly something that I think is an area for growth for uh, Hawaii. Yeah. But uh, we need to take a short break, so we'll hold our future thoughts. We're going to continue our conversation in just a bit with Dan Nash, Vince Kumer, and Garrett Marrero about the drive to succeed. And, of course, how do they overcome the obstacles placed in front of them? And what's next for these promising companies? We'd love to hear from you as well. And that number to call is 941-3689 from Oahu or from the neighbor islands. You can dial 877-941-3689. This is Bite Marks Cafe. My name is Bob Dant. I am president of the board of directors of the Maui Pops Orchestra. There seems to be a community of, I'll say, art-related people that just enjoy uh, Hawaii Public Radio. And the feedback has been, oh yes, we've, we've heard about Maui Pops by way of HPR. Hawaii Public Radio, celebrating partnership, building community. On the next On Being, Rabbi Lawrence Kushner opens up the Jewish mystical tradition of Kabbalah. You realize immediately that you are reading about the ultimate nature of being and therefore the DNA of creation or the warp and woof of the way the world works. And that effectively becomes the inner life of God. I'm Krista Tippett. Please join us. Sunday morning at 10, following Weekend Edition. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And we're talking to Dan Nash, Vince Kimura, and Garrett Marrero about the challenge of being an entrepreneur. And, of course, you can give us a call here. That number is 941-3689 on Oahu or 877-941-3689 from the neighbor islands. And right before the break, you know, we're kind of getting into the idea of uh, being a, a startup, being a business, being a a successful business here in Hawaii. And and each of you have done a good job. You've been recognized for your entrepreneurial endeavors in the in the in the segments that you're in. I want to hear a little bit from you. Uh, are is your is your sort of competition uh uh here in Hawaii or is it is it really, you know, extending out into the let's say the nation? I mean and, and when you start to look at that competition does that market now push you into other locations in order to be successful? So like in Comprendio's case, are you uh, working with just teachers here in Hawaii or do you see your marketplace extending much further out? Uh, it's, it's definitely a good question. The, the great thing about web-based software is anybody with an internet connection you have access to. So our, our big focus is um, 
in the U.S. right now, but we have done some work in Beijing and Singapore before, and we definitely see going international with this after we've, you know, kind of perfected the the business model that we're we're currently attempting at rolling out. So that's interesting that you would say,、uh, you know, in 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 China, because I would think that a lot of the market would have to be sold on the product, which I think would be your. Role is to sell the idea to somebody. I would think that the most easiest thing to do would be to sell it to other English teachers. I mean, teacher teachers that are English based. But to to actually jump into a market like China, that's a that's a whole nother foreign language. Yeah, and so、um, look, just going back to what I was saying, that's definitely one of the reasons we're focused on the U.S. First is just an understanding of the education system in the U.S. There's a lot of different nuance、uh, besides the language barrier as well. When you start exploring, you know, China, Singapore, other places like that.、Um, but I think inherently, I mean, going back to what you were saying about this competition. Currently, with what we're doing, and I know tons of startups always say this, nobody's doing what we're doing.、Uh, there, there's currently no other platforms out there that offer what we have, and so I would say our major competition is the antiquated learning system. I mean, how great would it be if you know one of Garrett's master brewers could put together this map of knowledge and share it with somebody like me who doesn't know anything about brewing? And instead of having this five, six-year journey of figuring out the brewing process, I could do that in a year or two. Um, so I'm curious in terms of the the sales and marketing part, which would be required to grow the market, is it is it a、uh, a marketing strategy that involves you having to one on one sort of pitch the capability of Compendio, or can somebody just sort of pick it up、uh, from let's say the website or from somewhere that gives them a good indication of what the capabilities are? Yeah. So what we've been building out right now is, and I'm sure, I mean, Vincent, you can probably attest to this with your guys's website, is having a landing page that has the right copy, the right language, that walks somebody through this narrative of why,、um, you know, they should care about using something like this.、Mm-hmm. So as much as possible, we're trying to offload that process so it's it's digital, so、mm-hmm. somebody can walk that journey themselves. But that's something that we're we're still developing.、Mm-hmm. We have some assets in place to walk somebody down that journey, but as I mean, it's the product's probably going to evolve. Our narrative's going to evolve. So it, it's kind of a moving target. You're always trying to to land on.、Mm-hmm. I, I want to expand a little further on Bert, when Bert's question about you know finding success here and then finding success outside of Hawaii.、Uh, Vincent, you know, Smart Yields. You talk about、uh, many times the twenty billion dollar industry that is agriculture and that opportunity. There's a lot very unique about Hawaii and the clients that you found、uh, in Hawaii, but really, that the bulk of that twenty billion dollar opportunity is outside Hawaii. So, what's Smart Yields' strategy there? Sure, you know we originally actually developed Smart Yields as a tool that would be multilingual. So, obviously, right off the bat, the idea is for growth and expansion in different markets. I think the one thing that we learned from from our discovery with farmers and working with farmers is that, you know, English is not necessarily the primary language in a lot of cases, especially when you have statistics like you know increase of twenty twenty five percent of the Hispanic population on the mainland United States. That obviously number is growing tremendously here in Hawaii as well. So, when you when you look at what's currently out there from a competitive landscape, you can't. Just say you're going to focus on, let's just say English. You can't say that. So, really, what we want to do is, you know, we will launch a Spanish language platform next year. You know, we want to grow that quickly, and and really that comes down to the original architecture of the software platform. When you when you deal with 
numbers and symbols. And you deal with this whole intuitive concept. I think the good way to not to give Uber any credit, but the idea is you can essentially use, you intuitively pick it up and start using it without really a, a tutorial of some sorts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a learning process. It takes time. But ultimately, that's what we're trying to get to to figure out from, from a farmer's perspective or from a grower's perspective, you know, even from a, a, a backyard, you know, backyard farmer. You know. Well, so now that you are uh, fairly established in terms of having clients, I mean, you guys are getting revenue into the into the door. The key now is to grow that market. Right. And, and in order for you to grow that market, you need somebody on the ground pitching what smart yields can do. Uh, is that you, Vincent? I mean, are you the one going out to the farmers and telling the farmers the benefit of, of leveraging a system like smart yields? And, and how do you replicate yourself? Because if you're going to get the 20 billion marketplace, I mean, you're going to have to be out there on every farm every day of every you know year uh, for a good long time. I mean, you know, somebody's got to be out there pitching. I think like with other industries, uh, even for that education for that matter, I think w- the first thing comes is trust. So you've got to build the trust of your of your end users, your clients. So once you have that trust and you show them obviously benefit, then they'll basically they'll they'll most of the time they actually talk about us to other growers and whatnot. And so that water mouth spreads. Uh, I'm a big fan of of kind of you know pounding the payment and talking to folks. I think that's the best way of actually learning how to improve and evolve your product. Mm-hmm. So I that's actually one of the things I, I mentioned to my my fellow co-founders is you know give me a product and let me go and sell it. Mm. You know that's one thing I love doing. I love the whole commercialization of it. So how much of the market have you already, let's say, broken into in Hawaii? And at what point in time do you see yourself... Let's say looking at another market, California or Oregon or you know elsewhere. I think I think the thing here is that Hawaii will always be home for us. Um, when when we were in San Francisco, for example, a lot of the comments were, "Well, when are you going to move over? You know, when when is that date?" And 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 I think the one thing about our industry, which is which is quite a benefit, and you know, knock on wood, we're, we're very fortunate to have this, is that we have two factors here. One, we have year-round growing, mm-hmm. and two, mm-hmm. you know, which is which deals directly with the whole data intelligence side. You know, when you're trying to fine-tune a recipe in terms of how to grow, how to make things better, faster, you know, more nutritious, everything, you need that, right? Which is why a number of other major companies are in Hawaii. The second is the energy component of it, which is why, you know, the, we have every known renewable energy known to man on this, in this island here. So I think that itself is a huge component in terms of the cost to grow. Mm. And that element itself is, is replicable in, in many other situations, especially the island communities, uh, third world countries everywhere. Now, Garrett, um, you've made a very good case, certainly, about how Hawaii plays a central role in the identity, the purpose, uh, the passion of your company. But obviously, the market you're reaching with your uh, fast-growing facilities and your ability to scale quickly is finding a market outside of Hawaii, correct? What are your strategies there? Sure. You know, we sell uh, approximately a little over 80% of our beer here, still here at home in Hawaii. So, you know, we're still a very... uh Obviously, overweight Hawaii, if you will, uh, and I, I think it's a good thing. You know, if we if we were a net export company, I don't know that brewing in Hawaii would be a sustainable vision. Um, you know, we don't have the goals of being uh, it's certainly not a Budweiser for many reasons, but even not a brewery that might be you know tenfold our size even. So you know, we have uh, we want to stay a small regional producer of excellent craft beer made authentic in Hawaii. So what that means is a majority of our beer should always be sold here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're in the process of opening uh, three new brew pubs in the state uh, to spread the Maui brewing vision around the state, uh, as opposed to just being able to experience it here on Maui. 
Uh, so that's an exciting uh, thing as well. Uh, but you're right, we do have to reach uh, outside the state. So we, we export now to 15 different states and about as many countries. I want to say it's about 13 countries right, right now. Um, you know, I think it, it's uh, important to, if you will, spread the aloha. And when we send beer to New York, for example, we can bring someone who maybe first tried our beer here on Maui on a vacation uh, or someone who wants to come and experience what Maui and Hawaii has to offer, we can bring them back here 12 ounces at a time. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been our vision all along is to sell the idea and who we are as a company, not not some fake idea of what Hawaii is, but who we really are right. and, and what our vision as a, a company and our ethos behind our brewing. Uh, and that resonates with consumers these days because, again, caring about not only what they're putting into their bodies, but the types of companies that they want to support yeah. in voting with their dollars. Now, it's hard to believe, but we're nearing our last lap here. And before we let you go, I wanted each of our uh, successful and now award-winning entrepreneurs to kind of share <laughs> maybe a single piece of advice or the thing that was perhaps their hardest lesson in their journey so far. Because, of course, it's human nature to learn everything the hard way, but it would be it would be good to know when you need to put that helmet on. Um, Dan, for Comprendio, uh, what would you say to someone who goes, hey, I've got this idea, I'm a public school teacher, I want to build an app. How do I, what, what should I watch out for? Uh, I mean, I think the biggest piece of advice I give somebody is just don't give up. As Vince was saying, pounding the pavement, talking to people, getting feedback, constantly grinding and you know figuring out why is this working, why is this not working. Uh, I think one of the things that's helped Sean, my co-founder, and I get to where we are is we were passionate about an idea. We weren't passionate about being entrepreneurs. It just so happened that this was the route that seemed the most viable for us spreading this idea um, to the rest of the world. Have any uh, comments on the, let's say, the ecosystem here? Uh, has it been a good thing in terms of the overall support from government and, and the various uh, accelerators? I would say, I, I mean, I've only been in Hawaii for six years, so my limited experience, I can't really speak to what's been there before. But from what's been shared with me from mentors, advisors, is that a lot of these pieces didn't exist five, ten years mm-hmm. ago. And without access to this ecosystem, which mm-hmm. I think in just the two years we've been in it, I've seen it grow. I've seen it attract a lot of people from Hawaii, even outside of Hawaii. I, I think the ecosystem is going to continue to grow. Um, however, at the same time, I do think that companies that are growing here are going to have to look outside mm-hmm. for how they can access those markets while still staying true to Vincent, I mean, uh, any, any hard one good, lessons? Yeah, good lessons yeah. learned? <laughs> I think, you know, that, that thing that really gets me is basically where the individual, the entrepreneur, is in their life. And I think that, that, that unfortunately, there's no one-size-fits-all, which is the one thing I've learned, <laughs> is, is that it really depends. But, you know, if you, you know, I, I don't think I could have done this 10 years ago, um, and I wasn't as mature in the right stage. I think there's a lot of different variables. But if you have a great idea, I think you should ultimately, you know, kind of refine that. Talk to as many people as possible. Um, you know, the one thing that you, you'll find is that, you know, if you have the great idea, you feel like you need to keep it close to your heart, which is actually the opposite. You should be talking to everyone and getting their feedback because, you know, you need that. You need that kind of that truth, that slap in the face. It's right. like, well, really, well, tell me what I need to do, you know, or tell me what's a, that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, how about uh, on Maui there, advice for people uh, who want to start a business and become the next entrepreneur of the year? 
Sure. I, I, I would echo both of the prior comments saying you, you have to work harder than you've ever worked before. And if you're not prepared to do that, then, then being an entrepreneur is just not for you. Um, it will single-handedly be the most difficult thing you'll ever do. And, um, you know, to, to be successful, it really does take every bit of your soul. Um, but if it's something you love, then it's absolutely worth it. And, you know, I think we all measure success in many different ways. And, uh, you know, the only way to be successful, though, is to, like you said, share your ideas, get out there and find out why you might not have a great idea or, or how you might need to morph that idea. Um, you know, and I would say lastly, uh, definitely collaboration and, uh, you know, getting out into the community. Uh, we have a great network of local brewers here. Uh, Tom Kearns at Big Island Brew House right now is actually listening. He just texted me. Uh, <laughs> he was my original brewer, and we celebrated him when he left to go start his own brewery. And many industries, you'd see that as competition. But I think if we take a, a page from Craft Brewers, you, you, we're still friends today. We love each other's beer, and we support the craft beer movement. If we take that page and say, hey, how can we help others? Uh, I think it's not only our duty as, as successful businesses, but our responsibility to then help those behind us. And uh, it's a lot of reason I do consulting for a lot of the uh, startups here. And for free, I just try to I help out as much as I can in order to, especially on the food side, so, Garrett, uh, where can we... Uh, vision is the most important thing. Absolutely. Where can we find more information about Maui, Maui Brewing? Uh, so, easy as always, technology, right? Uh, the web, uh, it's www.mauibrewing.com. All right. And uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at, at Maui Brewing Co. Sounds ah, good. We'll follow you. <laughs> Dan? Thank Dan, you. where can we find Comprendio? Uh, just go to comprend.io ah. or uh, Google us. Check us out. Fantastic. And Smart Yields... Simply smartyields.com. Sounds easy enough <laughs> Very to me. easy to remember. <laughs> well, Dan Nash is the co-founder of Comprendio. Vince, Vincent Kimura is the lead founder of Smart Yields. And Garrett Marrero, founder of Maui Brewing Company. And we want to thank you all for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you. And great. Thank, Aloha. Yes. Aloha. And thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe. Join us next week when we'll learn how local biotech leaders are helping the fight against dengue and Zika. And if you missed any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, you can email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. Or you can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. And you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is uh, Rod... Carlisle. Fantastic. Rob Carlisle. <laughs> and our executive producer is Beth Ann Koslovich. And we leave you with our song pick of the week. Here is Colin Omori and a song called Cinnamon. See you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.